Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 114. Ed, another show, man. I'm, I'm excited. You know, last week we had a couple of interviews. This week we're... Talking about quarterbacks, Ed, uh, the, the position that everybody wants to hear about. We're going to preview the 2021 senior quarterbacks, and then we'll also talk about the, the big three underclassmen quarterbacks that, that people should keep an eye on, and everybody knows their names. I'm excited, Ed. I, I love to talk about signal callers. Yeah, I mean, quarterback is, I mean, very central to the game of football. I mean, sometimes, you know, teams, are, you know, media has kind of framed it as this quarterback going against this quarterback. And I think there's more to a football game than that. But, I mean, you know, it it, it is, it, I mean, it's it's the most important, it's the most important player on your offense, for sure. I mean, you know, it's a quarterback league. You're saying quarterbacks getting paid you know, 45 million a year, you know, offered 45 million a year, Tom Brady collecting 50 million a year over two years. I mean, these guys are getting paid because teams value them. So everybody wants to know who that next Tom Brady is going to be, who is going to be that next Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be that savior for that franchise that that team that's going to be picking number one and number two but i'll tell you one thing ed when you and i talked about when we previewed and talked about quarterbacks last year joe burrow wasn't on that list yeah no that's true i mean joe burrow at this time last year was like you know we we're talking about him maybe being like a sixth rounder seventh rounder and maybe getting a shot with a team you know you know maybe more just being famous for being a good quarterback at lsu but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> things can change, you know, in a year, in a year's time. I mean, things really change. I mean, uh, you know, in college football, things really change. And so with the draft process, things really change really fast. And I mean, I think that's what makes, you know, kind of this podcast kind of fun is that, you know, you know, things can change real quickly. I mean, you can go from being a six round pick to all of a sudden being like the number one, you know, hands down. I mean, it's just, you know, especially a guy like Chase Young, you know, I kind of question whether he was you know, maybe top 15, top, you know, whether he was even a top 15 guy. And all of a sudden he comes out his senior year and just tears it up. And he's the, he's, he's, he's basically the automatic number two pick. And I mean, there's not a lot of drafts where the number one and number two pick are pretty automatic. So, um, yeah, things, things change in this business. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's what makes it fun. But I'll tell you one thing, ever since Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback stepped on campus the Georgia, the Georgia kid, he's from Georgia, was supposed to be that savior of the program. Clemson has had great quarterbacks in the past. They've had Taj Boyd, they've had Deshaun Watson, but Trevor Lawrence was the it boy ever since he he stepped on campus and he took over that starting role pretty quickly and he led them to a national championship and in beating Alabama, that was his huge moment certainly didn't go as planned during his sophomore year. Uh, he lost that first game against LSU in the national championship game last year. But what a career he has had, Ed. Before we talk about what he brings to the football field, his strengths and weaknesses, this guy is a shoe-in to be the number one overall pick next year. I'm not afraid to say it. It's just, you see it. It's pretty obvious. When you 
When you design a player, a quarterback in Madden, I mean, you want him to look and be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's who you aspire your future dynasty quarterback to be. And you just, you see that he's going to be a number one overall pick unless he suffers an injury. And I hope that doesn't happen. But he's been a great quarterback at Clemson. And you see that greatness. Uh, he's a winner. He's only lost one game at Clemson. And even though he's got a lot of great players around him, he is the future. He is going to be the number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we knew about this kid for the last two years. You know, he's been a top player. He's kind of, he's kind of, his stock has kind of dropped a little bit as a sophomore. But I mean, when you look at the tools, I mean, that's really where, that's really where he is the number one quarterback in this draft is he's got the tools. He's got the arm strength. You know, he's got, he's got a little bit of running ability. He's got, you know, accuracy, arm strength. I mean, just, you know, decent, decent throwing under pressure. So I, I, th I think, I think Lawrence is, uh, is is definitely like a good number one quarterback and you know what it's always good for the nfl to have a quarterback like trevor lawrence where you can take number one and you know help a franchise immediately because we want to we want to see a league with 30 good quarterbacks you know or 32 good quarterbacks i, th I think Tre trevor lawrence is the safest pick of all these three to be honest with you he's the best quarterback that i've scouted since andrew luck came out of stanford and I'm confident in saying that. I just, I see the physical tools and he just matches up. And he might be actually a little bit better than Andrew Luck, uh, who was the number one overall pick of the Indianapolis Colts. And obviously he didn't have the type of career that I think a lot of people envisioned for him uh, because of all the injuries and Andrew Luck walked away from the game. But Trevor Lawrence is as good as it gets. He is that safe pick. But if we're going to nitpick a little bit, Ed, where do you see that that Lawrence has to improve upon? Well, I I think I think it's mostly consistency. I th I think I think that's I think that's really where it is. Is that uh you know when he when he's on he's on. Um, but you know there have been times there have been times where he's uh he 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 hasn't been on his game. And when he's not on his game, I mean he's not a terrible quarterback, but he's not. You know when we talk about slam dunk, I mean. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see more consistency if we want to say this guy's the slam dunk number one. I think he is a slam dunk number one. Uh, he did have a rough patch in the first part of last season. I think there were a few games that he threw multiple picks in a game, and he needs to take care of the ball. He likes to force the ball in there, and there uh, he he can make any throw on the football field. At times, he just trusts his arm too much. That's what happens with, with the guy that has a huge arm like Andrew Luck or Brett Favre. And Lawrence is in that category. He can put the ball into the tightest of windows. And that's, sometimes that's where he gets in trouble. You know, he's, he's a bit of a gunslinger. He'll take those risks. He will stare down that receiver instead of looking off the safety and then coming back. I think that's something that he needs to get better at. And his footwork. I think his footwork definitely needs a, a bit of improvement. Uh, because the last two games in the semifinal against Ohio State, he came back. But Travis Etienne was the one that took over the game. It wasn't that Trevor Lawrence led them to that win. He was certainly behind that, but he wasn't the main catalyst. And then against LSU, his first loss ever during his college career, that was 
his worst game that I've probably seen him play during his two years in college. Certainly LSU was a great team, but he just couldn't find his rhythm. Um, during that that national championship game in in 2020. Uh, Let's talk about Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields is the other quarterback that had a terrific season since transferring to Ohio State. Remember, as a freshman, he actually played a little bit behind Fromm. And uh, he was the it boy in the state of Georgia as well. He was the number one dual threat quarterback. He was a five-star recruit. Uh, Georgia had big plans for him, but Fromm was the starting quarterback, and that certainly, I mean, Fields wasn't satisfied being the backup to somebody, so he decided to transfer to Ohio State, and he's just continuing that tradition that the Buckeyes have have had a quarterback uh, with uh, JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins, and and now Justin Fields is leading the charge, and I, I think he reminds people a lot of Lamar Jackson. With with Justin Fields is you you've got a dual threat quarterback you know you got a guy who can who can tuck it in on run and uh, I mean this is a guy who who you know he, he's a very efficient passing the ball I mean this is a guy who threw forty touchdowns and only had one interception I mean this is this is not a this is not just a running quarterback this isn't uh, this isn't you know like Jared Stidham in college or you know just just a just a pure running quarterback I mean this is this is, you know, this is this is a serious, uh, you know, guy who can step in the pocket and help you. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, I, I mean I think there's a, there's a few there's a few challenges. I mean, I think sometimes he uh, I think he sometimes maybe holds the ball a little bit longer. Uh, maybe like has a little bit of trouble when they rush him. Um, you know, and, and he has to stand in the pocket. I think that might be a little bit of a challenge for him. But um, I I think Justin Fields is is, is every bit a a franchise-worthy quarterback in this league. I think I want him to improve his deep ball accuracy. I, I also feel like he's got to continue to work through those progressions. He's certainly capable of doing that. He's got a strong arm. He's a dual-threat guy, like you mentioned. I thought he struggled in that semifinal game against Clemson, especially in the second half. But again, it was his first year starting in that system, and hes I have no doubts that He's going to be better uh, during his his junior year. I, I, keep I do talk- want to say about yeah, Justin Fields is that he he is a guy who's going to have to play in a more conservative. It's going to be kind of unique the offense that Justin Fields plays in in, in the NFL because it's, it's going to be a conservative offense and it's going to be an offense that's going to get, have to give him the option to tuck it in and run. Um, you know, this isn't this isn't your kind of stretch the field. You know, uh, Peyton Manning of you know sort of. Uh, what was it? Twenty, you know, the the year before they won the Super Bowl. I mean, it isn't that year, you know, of, uh, of that kind of offense. It's going to be more of a, you know, underneath passes, you know, a lot of intermediate passes, short passes, you know, tuck it in and run. And yeah, the, you're probably not going to stretch the field as much with Justin Fields. But that's what the NFL is looking for right now, Ed. They're looking for mobile quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is is a very good runner. Justin Fields is on another level when he takes off. I mean, he has great speed. Look at the success that Lamar Jackson has had with the Ravens. I think every NFL team would love to get their hands on a guy like Justin Fields if they can design you know, a similar offense to what the Ravens run. Now, it's, it's interesting. I keep mentioning the Andrew Luck draft in 2012, but I just, I'm almost certain that if they continue down this path, that Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick like Luck was in 2012. 
And the second overall pick will probably be Justin Fields as well. Just like in 2012 when we had Robert Griffin who went to uh, to the Washington Redskins during that draft and, and had a great rookie season. I think that's as safe as it gets right now, Ed. A lot can happen, obviously, but I think one and two, we're going to see quarterbacks go off the board. Let's talk about the third guy. And the third guy, some people might not know about. Um, it's Trey Lance, the redshirt sophomore quarterback from North Dakota State. He didn't throw a single interception last year. He led North Dakota State to another national championship in the FCS. This wonder boy, basically. He played during his true freshman year, but he was able to redshirt because, because he only played in a few games. And you could do that nowadays if you play in less than four games. You can take a redshirt here. So Trey Lance wasn't your typical freshman. I mean, he's been in that system. And he looked good, Ed. I mean, he operated at a different level. And we can put Trey Lance in that same category with Trevor Lawrence and with Justin Fields. The only knock on him is going to be that he plays in a lower division. But the fact is, he plays in the best conference in the FCS. He consistently goes to the playoffs. And look at what Carson Wentz is doing in the NFL. He was the number two overall pick by the Philadelphia Eagles. And aside from injuries, Wentz has been a good quarterback in this league. He went to North Dakota State. So uh, Trey Lance is, is going to follow in those footsteps. So talk to me about Lance. Yeah, I like Lance. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's really, truly that dual threat quarterback. I mean, he's he, he is, you know, not only is he a running quarterback, I mean, he's he's got good speed. I mean, he's like the kind of guy who could go to the combine and run a 4-5. I mean, that's like the kind of speed that this guy has. So I, I I like that about his game. You know, we talk about you talk about the running quarterback. I mean, this is this is the running quarterback that we're talking about. Um, and you know what I think? I think he does have some. You know, he does have the the sort of pocket passing ability. You know, that that kind of third down intermediate game ability that you need. So I I, I think. I think you know. I think he's he's really proven at the level that he plays that he's 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 won and he's and he's and he's shown he he can do what he can do. Um, I think I think the biggest question is is you know being an FCS guy, you know he's going to be be competing against guys who've been playing major Division One football, you know major conference BCS football, and I mean that's that's really what's going to be you know keeping him number three behind. Uh, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, but I mean he's 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 dominated at the level he's at, and that's what all you can ask for from small school guys. Well, he makes good decisions, Ed. He didn't throw a single pick. He is very mechanically sound. Uh, just for a young quarterback, I mean he's got it all together in terms of his throwing motion, in terms of his release. He has gotten better with his footwork. He throws an accurate deep ball. Uh, he is capable of working through those progressions. And I keep saying this, the success that Carson Wentz has had in the NFL, that's definitely going to serve Trey Lance well. Because from a physical standpoint, he's got it all. He's about 6'2 and a half, about 220. I, he's got a great arm. He, it's so effortless out there. I would actually put Trey Lance ahead of Justin Fields just because uh, Lance just looks more developed to me as a passer. I look at Fields as more of a runner. He still is looking at that first target, and then when it's not there, he's going to take off, and he's got great speed. 
Lance is actually standing in there. He is looking to pass. He is a pocket passer. The only thing that North Dakota State does, and it's a bit frustrating, those design runs up the middle. I mean, they're just, he's not going to slide, right? So, I mean, Lance takes some shots out there. I think North Dakota State needs to cut that out a little bit because we're talking about Trey Lance as a top 10, maybe possibly top five pick in next year's draft as a redshirt sophomore. They, they need to cut that out a little bit. So I would argue with you. I think Fields is more of a runner. Trey Lance is more of a thrower. And uh, I don't have a problem with the FCS label because he plays in the best conference uh, at, at that level. He plays against great defenses like Northern Iowa and Illinois State. I mean, those those teams can compete with FBS programs. So uh, keep an eye on Trey Lance. I'm not saying he's going to come out in the 2021 NFL draft, but I think he might. Uh, and he is getting a lot of buzz. And I would actually personally put Trevor Lawrence number one. I would take Lance number two and then Justin Fields just because I think Fields has some areas that he needs to develop in. So three great underclassmen quarterbacks. There are a few more out there, but these guys are shoe-ins to be first-round picks, top five, top 10 picks, and that's why we're, uh, we're focusing on these three guys. We're not saying something you know, out of this world. I mean, many people know who Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are just because of the teams that they play on, uh, but familiarize yourself with a name, a quarterback in Trey Lance. Uh, let's focus on the senior quarterbacks and the senior group. It's not an exciting group by any means, but I think there's a lot of potential. And uh, let's start with your favorite guy in this senior quarterback class. You know, I like this kid, Shane Bouchelle. Uh, he's a quarterback from SMU. Um, you know, not, not, not a power five conference, but I mean, he has good zip on his passes. He has a great deep ball, good accuracy, has a good internal clock, and he's a good decision maker. And he also has very good technique. So to be honest with you, the only knock on him is that he played at SMU. But this is a guy who who really, you know, could be a, a first-round quarterback. I mean, if he could put together another year like he did last year. Well, Sonny Dykes is his head coach at SMU. He actually coached Jared Goff at Cal, and Goff became the, the first overall pick. And I think Shane Bouchelle, he... He started at Texas, and then when he lost his job uh, because of an injury, he transferred to SMU and finally put together just a huge, outstanding junior year. Uh, his father actually played in the majors. Yeah, he, was, uh, he was a baseball player. And you know, when you look at Shane Bouchelle, he just has that compact throwing motion. He's got that, that baseball type of release. And it just looks natural, kind of like Patrick Mahomes, kind of like Kyler Murray. He throws a pretty ball. And I love that deep ball, Ed, because he gets enough air under it, and he's got enough arm, and he just attacks it. He's got a couple of wide receivers there at SMU that can stretch the field, and it just looks so effortless out there. Uh, I think Shane Bouchel, I'm also a big fan, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do in uh, this season. Let's continue down the list. Uh, let, let's go with the rest of the guys. I mean, another kid I want to talk about is this kid, Brady White from uh, Memphis. Um, you know, he was given plenty of time to throw behind Memphis's offensive line. He played in a very QB-friendly offense, but he's mobile in the pocket. He's an accurate passer, and he can throw on the run. And he's also a smart runner. So I think Brady White is a nice, nice sort of, you know, maybe, maybe more of a mid-round pick 
but I think I think he'd be you know he'd be a find. I mean, there are guys who are mid round picks that are fines. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not ready to say Dak Prescott or anything like that, but I mean, you know, he's 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 a, he's a legitimate mid round pick. You know, where, where you know where we stand right now. Well, Brady White transferred from Arizona State. Uh, he transferred to Memphis, and he finally got his shot there, and he's put together you know a good solid year last year and I thought uh, he has improved his arm strength I thought in 2018 his arm was was average at best last year I thought he he was getting more zip on his throws and he was using his lower body a little bit more so I'll uh, I'll praise Brady White in that regard I thought that he improved his arm strength in 2019. Let's talk about a couple other interesting names, guys that could rise for different reasons. Let's talk about Kyle Trask. Uh, the He's got an interesting story, Ed. Kyle Trask didn't start in high school. He was a starter as a freshman at a Texas high school, and then during his varsity years, he was a backup to De'Ara King who was the starting quarterback at Houston. Now he transferred to Miami of Florida. And um, he sat behind De'Ara King all three years. Then the Florida Gators came to check him out. They saw him at practice. They saw that, you know, he's a natural thrower. And they were like, we got to get this guy. He was a two-star recruit. They gave him a scholarship. Kyle Trask sat behind everybody. Uh, He wasn't even the starting quarterback to begin last year. It was Felipe Franks. But when Franks went down with an injury, Trask came in and it looked like he's been playing quarterback for the last 10 years because he was so calm and and poised in the pocket and so accurate. I was really impressed by him. Uh, This is just, it's an incredible story. And the Gators are going to be vying for the national championship this year. So Trask is one of those players that could rise. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, my scouting report on him is very good. I mean, he's a guy who gets the ball out quick. He's got a strong arm. He's unfazed by bad snaps, you know, very calm, as you said. You know, he's, 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 you know, he's an average runner, but he has very good accuracy. I guess if there's one thing that I, th- I think he needs to improve on is his decision-making skills. Uh, I, th- I think that's his weakness, but a lot of things to like about Kyle Trask. I mean, I think I think he's going to have a good year, and I mean, he, he, he definitely wants to put himself in that category, you know, senior bowl. And I think that's where he's going to be with another very good season because the accuracy and the ball placement is there. I just think that the Gators need to open up the offense a little bit more and let him throw downfield because that's something that I didn't see. I saw the accuracy in the short intermediate game. He lacked that accuracy downfield, but he wasn't asked to throw it, you know, 20 plus yards. Let's talk about another guy. Interesting name. His name is Jamie Newman. He played quarterback at Wake Forest, but for his final senior year, he decided to transfer to Georgia. Uh, Jake Fromm left for the NFL. There's a spot open at Georgia, and Newman is going to be competing for it. Many people expect him to win that job, but he's another dual-threat quarterback that throws a really good deep ball, but needs to improve as a passer. And There's hope that, that Georgia can you know, fine tune his, his passing skills. 
Yeah, Jamie Newman's a little raw for me. I mean, I think he's definitely the running quarterback type, but I just I, I don't know if I trust him on like a third and seven. You know, I think I think that's where that's where my concern is with a Jamie Newman, and I think you need those kinds of guys to win games because that's that's what Jake Fromm has been for the Georgia Bulldogs is a guy who you know you know when it's third and seven or you know third down and long, you know that Jake Fromm can can deliver a, a first down pass, and so. I, th- I think that's that's really my concern with him. Um, yeah, he he does he does have the strong arm. I mean, he has the uh, he has the arm to throw it down the field. I mean, he I don't I know this name is like very charged right now, but just his his scouting report and his attributes they kind of remind me a little bit of Lamar Jackson at Louisville, and I I just something about that just makes me think you know some of these high potential quarterbacks is. He's, he's a guy who maybe could have a lot of upside. And, I mean, Georgia doesn't usually take a lot of upside guys. They usually take kind of proven guys. So, I mean, this is a little different for Georgia. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they definitely decided to go back. This is Justin Fields was supposed to be their quarterback of the future with the Georgia Bulldogs. He transferred. So now they get Jamie Newman for a year to, to be that dual threat guy. So Newman has like three inches on Lamar Jackson, and he's got a strong arm, and a lot of potential. There's a lot of untapped potential there with with Newman. Um, I know there are a few players from the senior quarterback class that underwhelmed you in, a little bit. Uh, tell us about those guys. Tell us, give us those names. Guys that kind of you expected a little bit more out of them, but in the end, I mean, they they underwhelmed you on tape. Well, one is uh, KJ Costello, who I, I think is a highly recruited guy and was Stanford's quarterback. Uh, I, I don't really like his arm strength, and I don't really think he's very accurate. And I mean, it's hard to be a pocket quarterback when you don't have those attributes. Um, you know, did a lot of underneath passes in Stanford's offense. I think he has questionable decision making. Um, you know, I, I do put some of the blame on the, the receivers at Stanford, but. You know, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not really, I'm not really too excited about KJ Costello. I think he's a little overrated right now. You should be because I'm sure you're going to see him in Mobile, Alabama, next year. And the reason why I say that is just look, Mike Leach is the head coach at Mississippi State now. He's going to bring that air raid offense and he's going to open it up. And KJ Costello is going to have four or five wide receivers and he just has to read and you know half of the field. Luke Falk went to the Senior Bowl, Ed. Not a great quarterback, but went to the Senior Bowl. Gardner Minshew went to the Senior Bowl after transferring from East Carolina. Anthony Gordon, we saw him last year at the Senior Bowl. All three of these guys have put up huge numbers in that offense. So if KJ Costello wins that job, he's gonna put up huge numbers in Mike Leach's offense. That doesn't make him a shoe win number one overall pick, but he's certainly more talented than those guys that I mentioned here in, in Falk and in Minshew and, and um, Anthony Gordon. From a physical standpoint, KJ Costello, you know, has the tools. And look, I can almost like certainly say if he stays healthy, he's going to throw at least 40 touchdowns in the SEC. I don't know how many picks he's going to throw, but He's going to put up a lot of points, and he's going to throw for a lot of yards in that offense. How about another guy, uh, Texas Sam Ellinger? Uh, what do you think about him? You know, I loved Ellinger about a year ago, but I'm not as excited about him. Um, I think he sometimes has, some, you know, 
poor decision-making skills. Um, I think he tries to tuck it in and run it a lot. I think he sometimes holds the ball too long. I think he's a slow internal clock. But he does have decent arm strength and he does have decent accuracy. So, I mean, those are those are things that you can you can you can work with. Um, I just I, I was much more excited about Sam Ellinger a year ago, and I, I'm not I'm not as I'm not a I'm not as happy with his 2019. Well, because he's one of those guys that if if the main receiver isn't open, they he just tucks it and runs. Yeah. Right. No, well, that's what you can't you can't do at the next level. I mean, you just can't. Yeah, well, I mean, Sam Ellinger certainly has a lot of starts under his belt at Texas, and uh, uh, we'll see if he will be able to um, improve his game. But he's a very good thrower on the run, and he's got that dual threat ability as well. Uh, give us a couple of more guys that, that you have on your radar uh, as far as senior guys. I mean, I'd like to talk about Felipe Franks. He had that gruesome injury at Florida, um, and I think that's how Kyle Trask got the job. Um He's kind of hot and cold in terms of accuracy. He's a good runner. Um, he can fit passes into tight windows at times. Uh, can throw on the run. Sometimes poor decision making. Felipe Franks isn't probably the quarterback that I would go after uh, in the draft, but I mean, he he could be a guy that someone might be intrigued by and take a chance on in the draft. Well, somebody will definitely take a chance on him because he's a dual threat quarterback and he's got a very strong arm. And he won that job. Uh, he's been the starting quarterback with the Florida Gators. Now he gets his shot at Arkansas. He, he transferred to another SEC school, and we'll see what he's going to be able to do there. But from a physical standpoint, I mean, Franks passes the eyeball test, and uh, he just needs to become a, a more accurate quarterback out there. Uh, there are a few more guys, Ed. I know you, uh, you know, there's uh, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Anthony Russo from Temple. Tell us about those guys. Yeah, I'm not as big on these two guys. Uh, Anthony Russo, I thought he was a guy who got blitzed a lot. Um, you know, just not a great runner. Not not really. I don't, I'm not as imp- impressed with his accuracy. He kind of has decent arm strength. Um, needs to learn to get the ball out quicker. You know, didn't have great receivers at Temple. But uh, Anthony Russo, not someone I'm totally excited about. Uh, Kenny Pickett, you know. You know, I like my Pittsburgh Steelers, and, you know, I, I like my Pittsburgh teams. Um, but Kenny Pickett is just not very accurate. I think he holds the ball too long. Not great throwing on the run. Not a great runner. Um, I, I, I just I, – I just – I think he has very average arm strength. I, I don't I don't even know if Kenny Pickett is really in the draft – in the draft uh, – window. I mean, I, I see him as kind of an undrafted free agent at this point. I mean, things can change in a year. You know, he can have a great year in his senior year. But for right now, I'm, I'm, uh, if, I, if, I, if I'm a team, I'm, I'm probably going to stay away from Kenny Pickett. I think Pickett and Rooster are both undrafted guys as we uh, move on to their senior years. Uh, there's one more guy I want to talk about. And this quarterback, it's either you love him or you hate him. There's no in-between because some people see the potential and they say, this guy can be great. You know, there's so much untapped potential, even though he started quite a bit at Texas A&M. And that's Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond is kind of like one of those guys that, you know, he has a good arm and he just needs to improve his accuracy and his decision-making at times. But there's certain games that you turn on the film and you're like, man, this guy flashes potential. 
I mean, I, you wish he would be more consistent week in and week out, but Kellen Mond is is an interesting name to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, well, the things I like, I like his arm strength. I think he's a smart runner. I think he has decent composure under pressure. I think he's a good internal clock. Uh, things I don't like, uh, I think he needs to throw work on his throwing technique, which is something that can be fixed. Um, and I think he's a little inaccurate on the deep ball. But yeah, I mean, Kellen Mond is a guy. I mean, if I'm a if I'm an NFL team, you know, I I uh, I have a scout keep an eye on him, you know, see see who he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, I, there there are other guys that excite me more in this draft right now, in this in the senior class. I want to mention a quarterback from Kent State uh, just because he only started for a year. His name is Dustin Kroom. Uh, he didn't become the starter like right off the bat i think he missed a couple of games and then he came in as the starting quarterback and just he showed that he is accurate in the short and intermediate game he's a dual threat quarterback Uh, he's more of a runner he's a guy that needs to work through his progressions and see the field better because if that first read is is not open i mean he's tucking and, and running it but Dustin Kroom, his decision-making, his accuracy, and his ball placement in the short intermediate game impressed me during his junior year. I'm excited. I want to see what he's going to be able to do as a senior with, with teams knowing who he is. And so Dustin Kroom is, is another guy to, to keep an eye on at Kent State. Um, there's another quarterback I wanted to mention and talk about. His name is Jack Cohen from Wisconsin. Some people will say uh, this guy is just a game manager, but again, his ball placement and accuracy in the short game is is really impressive, and uh, he makes really good decisions. Usually, Wisconsin quarterbacks don't get the the pub because they had Jonathan Taylor there. They they like to run the football, but this guy has experience taking snaps from under center. He's good with play fakes, and he just executes at a really high level. And uh, so Jack Cohen is quarterback from Wisconsin. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Russell Wilson, but this guy is going to be at one of the major all-star games out there. I'll take a stab at it. I think he'll be like at the Shrine game somewhere. But uh, Cohen is is an interesting name to keep an eye on. Doesn't have the strongest arm. Uh, doesn't you know operate and throw a great deep ball out there but takes care of the football is another guy to to keep an eye on if he could take a step forward during his senior year Uh, so let's let's mention the small school guys at this site we obviously promote uh, small school players and I wanted to mention a couple of quarterbacks that should be on teams radar let's talk about the guy that we had on our show, on our podcast, let's talk about Reese Udinsky from VMI. What do you like about him, Ed? I, I'll tell you what I like about him. He's got a strong arm. He told us on our show that he throws it with anticipation, and he really does. He throws the ball before the wide receiver comes out of his break. Uh, obviously, he, is, he plays at VMI. He doesn't have great receivers out there, but... I just think those tools uh, serve him well. He throws a pretty good deep ball as well. He shows a good touch. Some things that he needs to improve upon, he's got to improve on that pocket awareness. He's like a statue back there. I mean, he needs to kind of learn how to slide and, and get away from the pass rush. He also needs to work through those progressions. There are a lot of times that he's staring down his wide receiver. He only throws it to his primary guy instead of 
you know, seeing the whole field out there. But Reese Udinsky, to me, he's probably the top small school quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, I, I like Udinsky. Um, you know, I think I think it You know, teams will like the fact that he comes from a military school. You know, obviously had a lot of different. Uh, different different responsibilities you know compared to most college quarterbacks you know he's number one he's you know he's a quarterback of a college football team on the other hand you know he has military you know rotc type of uh responsibilities in college so i mean this is a guy who you know has to be really organized really prepared and uh yeah i i think i think a team i think a team would like him in a quarterback room i mean i don't i don't know if he's you know he's ever going to be like a trevor lawrence type or anything like that but i mean he 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 he's definitely a guy who uh you know a team might like in their quarterback room but there's one thing that i really liked about udinsky he struggled with his decision making during his sophomore year i think he threw like 16 or 17 picks that year this year he really cut that number down uh, by like by a lot. I think he had only like five or six picks last year. So that's something that is impressive to me. The fact that he worked on his decision making. And that's something that he also talked about on our podcast. I want to mention Akil Glass, a quarterback from Alabama A&M. Another guy that has gotten better as far as his accuracy. He's got a good arm. He, he throws well on the run. He's a leader. He's a captain. He understands the game, and I like his poise and his calmness in those two-minute drills or at the end of the game. He's had many game-winning moments on on that last drive at uh, winning games for Alabama A&M. Zarek Cooper, a quarterback from Jacksonville State, is another name to keep an eye on. He actually transferred from Clemson. He was a big-time recruit. He's a dual-threat quarterback with very good size, Um, I thought at the end of last year, he struggled with his accuracy. Uh, The last four or five games, he was below 50% um, for for his games. And I I thought that was really poor. He needs to improve his decision-making and his accuracy moving forward. Rogan Wells, uh, quarterback from Valdosta State, he was nominated for the Harlan Hill Award the last two years. Also an interesting name to keep an eye on. And so those are the guys I wanted to mention. Udinsky, Akil Glass. Zarek Cooper and Rogan Wells, because to me, those four guys are the best small school quarterbacks in this in next year's draft. Um, putting a wrap on this uh, quarterback class in general, Ed, I know you wanted to talk about a different topic that has nothing to do with football. Yeah, I, I just want to talk about what's going on in the sports world right now. I mean, you know, this is this is a time where I mean we're kind of taking a you know this is kind of the off season for football and draft guys. You know where uh, they're you know they're they you know they aren't really having as many practices and there's the coronavirus going on and you know they may not start the season and so. I mean, I, I think I think just just being a sports fan in general, um, I'd like to see them get a deal done in baseball. And you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of upset about it. Uh, you know, I, I understand the, the the players were promised something and then they weren't given it. And I understand that that that's why they're holding out. But you know what? I mean, whether who's right or who's wrong, I mean, the fact is is that the players' union in baseball is much more powerful than they are in football. And to be honest with you, I don't think they're getting gypped the same way that 
football players are. And to be honest with you, it, it kind of bothers me that they, they just, I, th- I think as, as Manfred said, this has gone on too long and I, I really think it's time for somebody to cave. And I think it'd be the right thing for somebody to cave and just, you know, cause because the fans deserve baseball, especially at a time like this where, you know, the country is in peril because of the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, there's there's other things going on, you know, as far as racial injustice. And, I, you know, I, th- I think we need sports back. And I, I think it's I think it's just doing a great disservice. You know, the players holding out and, you know, baseball, baseball is, is, is starting to fall. I mean, it's just it's not as it's not what it used to be. I mean, I just I, I you know, I look back at all these old, old, old timers and, you know, even like the guys in the 90s and the 2000s, the Mike Piazzas and the, you know, Barry Bonds and so forth and Mark McGuire's and in, in, of the 90s and just, you know, the stars, the power that we had in baseball. And I, I just I don't I don't see the I mean, there are like the Mike Trouts nowadays, but you know, baseball, baseball is falling on popularity and this is an opportunity for them to really show that they care about the fans. And because you know what, if they lose the fans, I mean, you know, there's, there's other places the fans can go in the summer. They can watch premier league soccer, which is already on TV. I mean, people can watch golf, but you know, at, at some point, at some point, I mean, baseball needs a resurgence and they need to get a deal done. But baseball has lost fans a long time ago, Ed. It happened when this whole steroid issue came out. Now, obviously, chicks dig the long ball with McGuire and Sosa and that run that they had. And then, obviously, Barry Bonds bringing it to another level. But when all these stars got busted for taking steroids, along with A-Rod, you know, 90% of players in the major leagues were taking it, uh, if they want to admit it or not. I mean, that's what hurt the popularity of baseball. And now, greed is at the forefront. I mean, this is the time to kind of ignite, come together, you know, the owners and the players in the league and to say, hey, we're going to do this 70, you know, 70 game season because we need to have a season, right? We need to bring back fans because football is going to be back, you know, in the fall. We need to do it before the NBA comes back, before the NHL comes back. But it seems like baseball doesn't care. And I think the root of the problem is also the commissioner. I think he needs to sit the two sides down and say, look, guys, we need to play the season. I don't think he's capable of doing that right now. Yeah, and but I mean, it's just it's just it's it's sad because I mean, uh, you know, obviously, obviously, you, you don't you don't uh, get into sports blogging if you don't love sports. And you know, my, my first passion in sports was really baseball. Um, I mean, I just just to tell you, I mean, I, you know, I I, I kind of I grew up outside of Boston, and um, you know, I watching Red Sox games and you know watching them win the World Series and you know the year they came back from you know three nothing to win four three in the ALCS against the Yankees to go on and win their first championship. I mean, that, 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 those were, that was when baseball was great for me. And, and it's just, you know, I, I loved watching them and the passion around that team, but I just, I, I don't see it in other cities. I don't see, I don't see it in other cities and I don't, I don't see it in this time and age. And it's, it's just, I, I don't know. I don't know what baseball is going to have to do, but they're going to have to figure out something if they if they want to continue to be America's pastime and maybe they're not America's pastime anymore you know nowadays with you know sort of cell phones and 
you know, you, you can you can sort of be on Facebook while you watch a baseball game. It's just it's just not the same as it used to be. And you know, being a being being a being a baseball fan and you know being a younger baseball fan and being passionate about it, it's just. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm I'm just I just have an overall disappointment. Well put. Thank you for listening. Take care.